Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Brown Ambition, episode three. Hey guys, it's Mandy. Thank you so much for coming back. Hey, 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 it's Tiffany. Hey, hey, hey. So that's like your trademark. Is that from SNL? No, it's from Fat Albert. (laughs) I say it like whenever I speak on stage and stuff, I say, hey, hey, hey. Uh (laughs) I'm not not sure why. Or either Fat Albert or that old show like, oh my gosh, somebody's going to know. It's like this old show with Shirley and Raj and what's happening? What's, oh. Maybe that's my, maybe I'm like, this is where the age difference comes into play. (laughs) I'm 35. Somebody's going to know what's happening. And if you do, please tweet us at the the, BA podcast. Yes, at the BA podcast on Twitter. You'll know what's happening. If you're 35 or older, you know that, that show. Well, I have to start off by saying congratulations because Tiffany just gave her first TEDx talk. Um, I guess, well, yesterday, on Saturday, so congrats. Yeah, thank you. It was very nerve-wracking. I was nervous. I'd been planning for months, and it's done, and I'm proud of my work, and so I can't wait to share it soon. Excellent. So we're going to start off the Buzzworthy segment. It's a sports-themed edition of Buzzworthy, (laughs) um, which I hope you guys won't mind. Starting, let's start with what, good or bad first? Let's start with good. Let's, well, it's actually, they're both kind of bad. Oh, yeah. Well, I just realized. Well, Serena, that's not so bad. That's true. Okay, so um, everyone probably knows by now that Serena Williams, mm-hmm. the great, amazing, inspirational Serena Williams, lost her bid mm-hmm. for the U.S. Open mm-hmm. championship, which also meant that she's not going to break the record for the most like wins in a calendar year mm-hmm. or something like that. Basically winning every major tournament in a calendar. This was the last tournament that she had to win. Did you watch it? No, I can't watch Serena. It's just too nerve-wracking. I grew up playing tennis. I played tennis since I was like four or five years old, and she was one of my idols. I was tennis team captain in high school, and so I just get too nervous to watch her. Why well, was watching on Twitter? I was I was on Twitter at work on Friday, and I all of a sudden Roxanne Gay, this writer I've read, I talk about sometimes, she was tweeting like a sec like every second she was tweeting like Oh my God, Serena, no, no, girl, no, Drake, it's your fault. And then so I turned it on, and I'm at my desk, and I probably caught the last like five minutes of the match okay. when it was like not going well for Serena. Mm-hmm. And then I don't really, so I don't watch tennis. Mm-hmm. I think I played tennis on the Wii like twice, and so I don't know how the, the how the points work. Okay. When I was watching Venus versus Serena, I was I watched the whole thing, but I was like, yeah, yeah, get her. Yeah. Like <laughs> someone's winning. Right. I just kind of waited for the announcer to tell me who was up. OK. So I was watching the last five minutes and I could tell things weren't going well. And then finally, when like Roberta Vinci, congratulations, by the way, I guess. Yeah. When she hit that last the game winning uh, mm-hmm. point point. Right. Yeah. 
all of, so I was at my desk and I didn't realize that everyone around me was also watching the match. Okay. And so we, my editor and I were like, oh, at the same time. And I'm like, oh, you're watching. <laughs> I was trying to watch it on the download. <laughs> well, everybody's watching. And you know what? I mean, Serena, I mean, hopefully she understands like how amazing she is. And it was just so much pressure. So and, much hype. Yeah. And honestly, because obviously, I mean, no offense to Roberta, but you know, Serena's number one. And I think Roberta's number like... 40-something? Yeah. She wasn't even ranked, I don't think. Yeah. So yeah. not to, you know, take away from her win because she she did win, but Serena, to me, is the best player in the world. And that, I don't think anybody would argue with that. You know, as far as tennis is concerned, women's tennis. And so, you know, it was just, you know, you don't win every time. I and think people will talk about the, the loss, but you can't, you have to really think about all she's accomplished and exactly. all she's represented for black girls and over the course of her career. Exactly. And I'm just excited. I'm, I'm glad she got a lot of hype because I feel like how how often do you see a face like hers on a magazine? Mm-hmm. New York Times magazine. Mm-hmm. She was on New York Magazine recently. And so I'm just really glad that she got the attention she deserved. Exactly. I don't know if I agree that it was Drake's fault. <laughs> Everyone was pretty much like, damn, Drake was in the audience. Everyone just like went for him. Oh, well, poor Drake. I blame Kim Kardashian personally. Because <laughs> that's the easiest. Why was she drinking tea with Kim K? Why? <laughs> the know. week of a match like this. I know. Well, you know what? That's all right. Serena will be back. She's still in her prime. So are we well, ready to move on to the... Yeah. So second in our our, um, our bad news buzzworthy <laughs> for the week. So James Blake, mm-hmm. another tennis star, right? Yep. He plays tennis. Yep. He was wanna... number four at one point in number the world. Four. Okay. You He's not currently, him. but um, he was. And so he was outside of uh, the Grand Hyatt Hotel. Mm-hmm. In New York. In New York. Um, there's a video of it. So you can Google James Blake video. And just leaning casually against the hotel, waiting for, I guess, his ride. Mm-hmm. He was in the U.S. Open, which is in town. And all you, all of a sudden, you just see this man run up to him, tackle him to the ground, and put handcuffs on him. And it's clear that James is totally confused. The police officer apparently was confused as well mm-hmm. because they thought that he was part of a credit card scam ring. And they had the wrong person. On top of that, the person that they thought that he was was also not guilty of what they were accusing him. So it's like, one, you tackle the wrong guy for a crime, and the person that you think he is also did not do the crime. Right. You and have to watch this video because it's it's so disturbing yeah. to see, like, how like how many times have I just stood outside a building and, like, mm-hmm. on my phone texting, waiting for someone? He was literally just relaxed and chill on the side. And then this cop comes out of nowhere, nowhere. and just— Flat out tackles him. No Miranda rights. No, hi, can I see your identification? Mm-hmm. Um, what are you doing here, sir? He didn't look like he was even, you know, even if he was up to something, like he, there was like, he probably wasn't going to run for it. Mm-hmm. Like there's people around. And then to see him get tackled and then you see in the video people watching him mm-hmm. and looking at him on the ground getting handcuffed. And I'm thinking from, like, if that were me, I would be so mortified. Yeah. And scared. He's, and he, terrified. Yeah. He says, like, in an interview, like, I was really, I was so scared. I didn't say anything. Because mm-hmm. what did you say? This person just runs and, tackles her. He doesn't even fight back. He's just, you could tell that he's stunned. Like, what is happening? Right. That cop has, like, has had five other citations of... This is a disturbing part. Yes. Of aggressive behavior towards citizens. So this is not someone who hasn't done this before. Right. And, of course, the... The police commission, you know, they're trying to cover their bases by saying, well, you know, we're looking into it. it, We're not really sure what's really going... No, it's clear in the video that he ran up on someone because he thought he looked like someone. There was no struggle. There was no, we told him to stop, but we had to bring him down. Right. You know, there was no, can we speak to you, sir? 
And the fact that it's happened several, and that was, I think, five times just in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. So who knows over the course of this guy's career how many brown men, black men, he has just, you know, without any cause, Mm -hmm. has just tackled to the ground like that and embarrassed. Uh, You know, it's unfortunate that it takes a celebrity, Mm -hmm. someone who has a public profile, who can get on the Today Show and talk about it and put a voice to this. But I'm kind of glad it happened because, I mean, for, you know, a man just chilling like in Harlem or Brooklyn Mm -hmm. outside of, you know, on on the corner just minding his own business who gets taken like that, those kind of people can end up in jail mm-hmm. for absolutely no reason. And we didn't mention, but James, but I believe he's half white, half black. Yeah, he's, so he's lighter skinned mm-hmm. and a celebrity. So I think that plays into why people are maybe paying more attention. Exactly. But this isn't the first time that a, a black celebrity has been wrongfully. Remember there was that um, like Hollywood producer who was at lunch oh, in Beverly yeah. Hills or some like really nice place. Like he was having lunch at a nice place in, uh, in L.A. somewhere. And out of nowhere, a cop just comes and arrests him. Apparently, mm-hmm. he was like, saying that he was, you know, a suspect in a, a robbery or some sort of like shoplifting <sighs> incident. That's another example of it's just so crazy stupidity. Yes. Well, so I'm, sorry for the downer, yeah. but <laughs> can't ignore these huge stories. Can't exactly. do it. We cannot. <laughs> Next on our agenda is... It's a brown break. Yes. Oh, Lord. Brown break. If you guys have forgotten, let's refresh your memory. Brown break is just something that's happening that we just can't with. Mm -hmm. We just can't anymore. We need a brown break from XYZ. We've talked about... Tiffany's had a break from Donald Trump. Yes. <laughs> I've taken a break from internet trolls. And white feminism. And white feminism. And we have some excellent, much-needed breaks we're going to talk about today. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to take a brown break, and I think every woman can feel me on this from catcalling and unwanted, aggressive, just attention from men. So, I mean, I think every woman at some point has walked down the street, especially if you live in a city and, you know, a man has said something to you that was inappropriate, anywhere from, you know, hey, beautiful, and you keep walking to being super aggressive. I can remember, in particular, a man I was, I forget what city I was in. I was just walking down the street. He approached me, and, you know, I was nice because I believe in, you know, being nice if you're nice to me. And I told him no thank you when he asked me for my number or whatever it is that he wanted. And as I walked away, he began to follow me and yell at me and curse at me up the street for about two blocks. I was terrified. I was almost afraid to run because I thought, I felt like he has this animalistic instinct that if I ran that he was going to physically attack me. So I like, you know, I walked calmly, but I'm looking around and people said nothing. As this really? Man, there was yeah. people around? Mm-hmm, as this man walked uh-huh. up the street. And so sometimes men think, like a friend of mine told me, like, oh, you know, sounds girl, she's beautiful. She didn't even say anything. She's so stuck up. And I had to tell that, him. Ugh, and I, I told him, that. I said, you don't understand how many times that women have been in danger because of a man who thought she was beautiful and said something. It's not you. You're taking it personally. She's protecting herself mm-hmm. because me acknowledging you or me saying okay or thank you or whatever might put me in danger. So I've learned to ignore men when they say things like that. It's not because I'm trying to be rude or nasty. It's because I've had men follow me up the street or curse me out or threaten me or get angry when I've decided I've told them I've had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm just so over 
cat you know, there, I'm, I'm glad that there's been a lot of, there's been a lot more talking about street harassment mm-hmm. lately. There's actually this group in New York called Hollaback, mm-hmm. which is a nonprofit run by, I'm pretty sure, this um, young woman who started this nonprofit to end street harassment and raise awareness okay. of street harassment. And then there was that BuzzFeed video. Remember that BuzzFeed yes, video a while back? That. Of that girl who wore, or she, someone filmed her walking from like the Bronx all the way down through New York mm-hmm. and all like, she had so many men come out and like, yeah. Call her and Do you see the her. ones? I like the ones where they have the the father or the boyfriend, like sitting with their daughter or their girlfriend, and they put a video on the daughter or the girlfriend, and the father sits with her and watches. Oh, really? Men, and then so so because they want men to see this is what your daughter's going through. Right. Are you putting someone else's daughter through this, or this is what your girlfriend is going through? Have you done this to someone else's girlfriend? And you could just see how upset the men are that this the women in their lives are going through this, but. It's men just like you. Have you ever tried to explain? I have a hard time trying to explain. Like if so, if something happens, so mm-hmm. there has been days where I I bike to work a lot, and there's days where men will yell at me while I'm biking. Mm-hmm. And one time, actually, some guy he stepped. I was it was dark. I was going down a hill in Midtown, and he stepped in front of my bike and just stomped in front of me just to scare me and like mm-hmm. try and like freak me out, which he succeeded in doing. Mm-hmm. And then that earlier in the day, um, some guy in the street called me out, and I was just I came home in such a terrible mood. Mm-hmm. And feeling like so bad, and I couldn't even find the words to like explain to my boyfriend mm-hmm. what had happened. Because I feel like trying to explain street harassment to a man in their minds, you're like, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, I'm like, well, you're you are cute, you know. You're like, that's not the point. Or are you trying to make me jealous? I'm like, it's not about trying yeah. to make you jealous. It's it's emotionally taxing. It is emotionally taxing, and honestly, too, for me, it's usually it's just a matter of like where I'm afraid. Honestly, not mm-hmm. not always. You know, sometimes some guys are like, "Hey, beautiful," you're like, "Hi," and you keep moving. But sometimes, every once in a while, you get that guy who just doesn't seem to take no for an answer, and you're like, "So, so you're priming yourself, like, do I have to run?" Like, I'm. You're thinking these things. I don't think men realize. They don't. You know, but I bet you, if it would have happened in front of him, you'd be upset and mad, though. It wouldn't, though, yeah. because those guys are cowards. Yep, you're right. And it when you're holding the hand of a man, you don't get that kind of attention, which pisses me off. Because, yeah. like, I like doing my own thing and, yeah. like, being, you know, independent and free. But the unfortunate thing about this brown break is that it's hard to take a break from something that's, like, out of your control in exactly. that way. But yeah. hopefully groups like Hollaback can raise awareness and, and make it easier on us. So what is your brown break? So I need to take a brown break this week from something a little more fun but equally annoying, which is the man bun. (laughs) I blame several people for the proliferation of this hairstyle. Okay. Um, I know that brown men don't necessarily rock the man bun, but some men do. I'm looking at you, Leonardo DiCaprio, (laughs) Andrew Garfield, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Who's that guy from um, that movie with uh, Matthew McConaughey who won the Oscar? Jared Leto. Oh, I love Jared Leto. Oh, he's so beautiful. He but is. That, God, that man bun. <laughs> and the fact that it's being written up in the New York Times. Uh, when something like this kind of trend is written up in the Times, that's when I know it's like it's time. It's time. You have to stop. I know it's hot out there, guys. I know that like... It must be hard having longer hair, but why not just cut your hair? Yeah, it's okay. Or why can't we? Why can't men learn how to use like bobby pins? Just it's just say hair no time. to the man bun. Just I mean, no. you see that usually some guys with dreads. If if it's gonna be a brown guy with a man bun, it'll be a guy with locks who does it. I like a man with locks who has the hair tied back, though. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I do like a man with locks. This is just a totally separate life. <laughs> All of a sudden, we are everybody's mind went somewhere. Everyone segue. has. <laughs> 
Um, our security guy here has dreads. He's kind of, well, he's kind of older, but he looks good. It's a good look. Yeah. I don't think I've never not looked at the face of a man with locks. Like, if I pass by a guy with locks from the back, I have to at least take a piece at, peek at his face. Like, ooh, he's cute. Mm, moving on. <laughs> so, please, men, if you're listening, no more man buns. Yeah. Tell a friend. Help a friend. <laughs> tell your family. Yes. The man bun's done. It's done. Cut it off. <laughs> Today's tip this week is preparing financially for marriage. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So first and foremost, so this is where I am, um, my boyfriend and I, we are talking about marriage. And one of the first things I did with him was we talked about his credit score. I showed him. Was this before you moved in together or after? Right after we moved in together. Okay. I was like, I think, I can't remember why. I think he said he was looking to buy a car or something like that. And I said, well, what's your credit score? Do you know? Because before we go to get a car, they're going to ask. So I was kind of casual with it. But, you know, deep down inside, I was like, what's your credit score? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me your number. (laughs) And so he was like in the low to mid 600s. And which I was like, okay. And I saw why. It was just because he had this one credit card that he had a secured card, which I call like the baby credit card. And he, it was almost maxed out because he was making small incremental payments. Mm. And I told him, I'm like, oh, you know, if you're the closer you are to your limit, the lower it makes your score. It was really the only thing he had on there. I'm like, once you pay it, your credit score is going to jump. So he paid it off. Within three months, he's up to 750. Excellent. Yeah. And so it was, that's a great conversation to start with is credit scores, definitely creating a budget. So it took a little longer for us to get to the budget point because the credit score thing, he um, was interested in because, you know, he wanted to get a car, but the budgeting thing was difficult. So I had to figure out kind of like what his pain points were. Like, how do I get the budget and save a little bit more? So he has an eight-year-old daughter. So I would use that like, you know, you should think about, are you setting aside for Alyssa's, Alyssa's college fund? You know, and if not, let's do a budget so we can see how much you could set aside for Alyssa's college fund. So we worked through it that way. And now, just the other day, I asked him what he was doing. He's like, oh, doing my budget to see if I have any money left over for something he wanted to do. I was like, when? <laughs> it took a year. It's a slow, that's, <laughs> you need to, yeah, it's a slow process. Yes. Men are, and you know, obviously, uh, whoever, whatever the gender is of your partner that you're trying to budget with, but mm-hmm. men especially, it just takes longer mm-hmm. for things to sink in. And they don't like to be told yes. how to make manage their money. I'm speaking from experience. Yeah. <laughs> I've been with my, my boyfriend for three years. We've lived together for um, a year and a half, mm-hmm. and I'm finally starting to see the fruits of my labor. Yes. Like it takes the, fruit, some t- the seeds have yes. begun to sow. So, so with your partner, you have to ask those questions about credit, about how much debt they have. Debt's very important. Mm -hmm. And then what plan, kind of like, you know, well, what are your plans? Like, my boyfriend is a bills paid on time type of guy, but as far as, like, cash, he's not as responsible. So I learned that once I—it took a little while to kind of learn his, like, system. And once I did, I realized, like, okay, if I want him to— do something or save something, I have to make it almost like a bill in his life because he's always he always pays his bills on time. So you have to get to know your partner and how they operate financially and kind of work within that. It depends on you and your partner, but figuring out what that looks like for you is what's best. So figuring out a savings plan. We do have one joint account, which is our savings account. And 
At first, it was for vacation. That's how I tricked him into saving. And the other day, he was like, we should turn this savings account into a, a home account so we can buy a home with it. That was my initial plan. But the fact that he's come along without too much pushing is really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's another thing, too. And so, if you need help, you can always sit down with a planner. Like, mm-hmm. there's there you can find a fee-only planner, which means that they'll, they'll charge you by the hour, and they won't take a percentage of, like, whatever savings you have with them or investments. Um, but they're kind of just there like a therapist. Mm-hmm. And you can sit down with them with your partner and they can be the middleman like if you're having trouble communicating uh, with your partner yeah. which I was having with my boyfriend when we moved in we moved in together we were having a lot of like communication issues around money okay and he and I wound up attending a a couples and finance class mm. actually through this group called Society of Grown-ups based in Boston so if you're in Boston check it out and there was a financial planner there and they she kind of just helped us facilitate a conversation and make it less tense for us to talk about our goals and things like that because you don't want money to be the thing that pulls you apart. You oh, know? God. And it can so easily pull Very you apart. Very easily. Mm-hmm. You know? That's something that you want to talk about. And then, too, you want to you wanna make that whenever you're talking about it, that it's not this, like, dun-dun-dun conversation. You know? Like, it's time to talk about money. Mm-hmm. So I've learned I never had that weird anxiety with money because at home it was just, like, normal talk. So learning to make money normal talk in your house helps as well. What's that like? <laughs> I was raised by a single mom for most of my life, and she had four kids. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I always thought of money as this, like, this, like, basically a form of anxiety. Mm. It was never there. Where was it? Could we get it? Like, it was like this elusive thing. <laughs> I had to really work on my relationship with money mm-hmm. as I grew up, and that, you know, that kind of stuff turns up in relationships. Exactly. Oh, for sure. I'm super afraid of not having money, and so I'm obsessed with saving. And that can, and you know, if, if your partner's not in the mm-hmm. same page as you, that can be um, like a point of contention. And I, yeah, I guess it's like a final thing. Just expectations are everything. You have to really like figure out what your partner's expectations are for their savings and money goals and like what your expectations are and then try and find a common ground. Yeah. Agreed. Communication is key. And if you guys have any more questions about money and marriage, money and relationships, Mm -hmm. please send us an email. Our email address again is brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. And we're BAC back, and it's time for Brown Brilliance. So we called it wins earlier. Yeah, we've had an identity change. Mm-hmm. No longer wins. We're calling it Brown Brilliance. Yes. Which is a playoff of black excellence, brown brilliance. Yes. Let us know how you feel about it. <laughs> we might still keep it even <laughs> if you don't agree. You but can call still. It wins. <laughs> exactly. And so really brown brilliance is when we just highlight some brown awesomeness that's happening on the interwebs, on the internets. Mm-hmm. And so if you know of any awesome brown people doing some awesome brown people things, you can tweet us at the BA Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Brown Ambition, and you can email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. So I'm going to kick off because, I don't know, I'm talking right now. Because um, <laughs> you like to hog the mic. Yes. Just keep it real. Yeah. So Brown- I did TEDx yesterday. I'm just going to keep continuing. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I did TEDx yesterday, but the Brown and Brown brilliance of this week for me is not going to go for me. Instead, it's for... Nate Burkhard, he brought the very first TEDx Newark to Newark. Newark has been long troubled with crime and all of these kind of negative, um, negative news that you've seen about Newark. So this was something positive and amazing and awesome. And TEDx is a international 
brand and for it to come to Newark and for it to be done well. So I'm super excited about it. And I just want to say congratulations, Nate. You are brilliant in all your brownness. I believe Nate is brown. Um, yes, I think so. <laughs> well, you don't have to be brown for brown brilliant. Yes. I mean, we can open it up to the to everybody. But <laughs> yeah. I just want to tell him that congratulations. That was an awesome job. Good job, Nate. And good job, Tiffany, for being on TEDx. Excellent. And I have a real quick one to add from one of another one of my favorite authors. I'm going to talk about authors a lot because I'm a reading <laughs> book nerd. Um, but this author, her name is Jhumpa Lahiri. And fun fact about Jhumpa Lahiri, if you watch the Mindy Project, Mindy Kaling's a huge Jhumpa Lahiri fan. And that is why Mindy Lahiri's last name is Lahiri on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but Miss Lahiri, Jhumpa Lahiri, the author, was just awarded the National Medal of Humanities from the president himself, Barack Obama, at the White House which is a huge deal. So I just want to say congrats to her. And if you want to read her stuff, um, the, interpreter of Malali- Mal- <laughs> the Interpreter of Maladies. No, wait. Is that how you say it? Maladies? I'm That's not like the biggest brain fart. Obviously, I read. I don't really talk out loud a lot. <laughs> interpreter of Maladies uh, and the Namesake. I think her latest book is called The Lowland. Just check her out. Excellent fiction. A lot of it uh, you know, relates to the Indian immigrant experience. Mm. So good for you, Jumpa. Yes. I was going to call her Jumpala. Because you corrected me that her name is actually Jumpa and then Lahiri. Yes. So that's like kind of like a Nigerian way of doing things. We're like, ah, Jumpala, good job. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, your name is what? That's cute. Your name is Veronica? Your name is Vero. (laughs) (laughs) I was saying earlier, you guys missed it, that I was going to give Mandy a Nigerian-esque name. I'm going to think of how to do so. I'm going to, that way, when she does good things, I'm going to... Then I can wear, what did you call that? The thing, the... um the head thing? The head tie? The head the, tie? Gale, that's what they call gale. it. A gale? Yeah, one of those. Yes. I went to the most, man, Nigerian weddings. For another episode, we're, we're going to talk about Nigerian Ooh, weddings. yes. Because they are epic. Yes, they are. That's a good one. Epic. <laughs> but in the meantime, we're letting you guys go. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Again, send us your questions, your comments, brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at the BA Podcast or on Facebook at Brown Ambition. And we're out. Bye-bye. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 